Hey everybody, quick intro before we get started with this episode. I wanted to let you all know that on the site, uh, we're, we aggregate a lot of our content, YouTube videos, as well as put up a lot of articles that kind of creates the framework in building wealth and financial freedom. We try to put together like a master plan. One of the things though that we don't talk a lot about. In fact, I don't think I've ever even mentioned it on the podcast. And there's a reason I mentioned it today is we we do have things like calculators and we do have for all those that are obsessed with storage, uh, masterclass on there. The only reason I'm even bringing it up today is because we are doing a sale because it's the Thanksgiving holiday. So you can jump on there if you're interested in those. And uh, other than that, we're not going to mention it again because it's, we're not trying to push anything. But we want to thank everybody. It is Thanksgiving, so I hope that uh, a lot of you guys are hearing this one. This episode, it's different format from the standpoint is a lot of the time we speak very tactically. As in we try to get into a lot of information and uh, we try to really dive into kind of the nuts and bolts. We want to really look at the mechanics of everything through finance and acquisitions. And we talk a lot about projects. This one is a little different because of the fact that we are talking about some of more of the mental models and fundamentals of building overall success in your life. This And these are true principles, and I believe this from the absolute bottom of the heart, something I, I work with my kids on. And the discussion, although is different from others, is not tactical. It is just as important as anything and probably, if not the most important part of creating wealth and uh, living just an overall achieving your goals and living the life that you want. It really comes down to the fundamental. And these mental models, as a lot of people have you've probably heard of before, how they make up. There's a few things that I think we can all work on that make massive changes in our life. And we felt that this one was so important. We wanted to dedicate this whole episode to it. We hope you guys like it. Give us your feedback as always. We really do appreciate all of your content coming in and everything. But we did want to say, if you guys leave us a review and take a picture of that review, send it and then email all the people that leave us a review and uh, uh, shoot us an email and talk about it. One of the things that we offer is consulting and we do also project management and some other stuff and, and a phone call. We'll give you guys, for all those that leave a review, send us an email. We give, we'll give, we set up a 15-minute phone call to go over any acquisitions, any trying to get out of debt, taking next steps, and we'll work with you uh, on those things. So leave a review, take a picture, put it in the email. And uh, on the website, cashflowfreedom.com, shoot it over to us. We'll jump on a call and we'll talk, uh, answer any questions you have about the content, what we're doing, how we're doing it, and to try to give you any help that we can um, building uh, your wealth and creating cash flow to your financial freedom. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate everybody for listening. So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here's the answer. I'm A.G. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Cash Flow to Freedom. Today, I'm here with, as always, my trusty co-host, Rock Pilon. How you doing, man? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. I you know, say guys because Connor's here yeah, too. Yeah, Connor's, Connor's here. So, <laughs> yeah, everybody knows Connor from the Self Storage Income podcast. So, he's helping, to, helping us here with our audio. We're actually at Rock's warehouse right now. So, we we're over here going over some stuff, some new businesses we're working on. And we thought, let's say, uh, Let's do a podcast on a topic that we think is very important because I think it's very misunderstood. And, uh, you know, we hear a lot of people talking and I think it's classic, you know, the gen next generation, you know, like how soft they are and things like that. It, this spurred this topic. I think we all have it. But the topic is, is this relationship that we have to have with pain and entrepreneurs and how those that face opposition and face pain differently, how they succeed. So, you know, I think we want to preference this right away with talking about, I don't ever want to say that you should ever search after, obviously, hardship and pain. Most of the time, everything that we're doing is you're trying to avoid, you're trying to progress, you're trying to get better, you're trying to create a 
better life. But pain isn't something that you should necessarily, I think, attract nor avoid. It is simply a part of the process. And you have to understand how that part of the process fits in with the strategy of achievement. Yeah. In today's society, with so much technology and just the things that are available to to people, especially smartphones, you think about how simplified life has become, how streamlined all the things that used to be difficult and the things that you used to have to do. Like even if you're going back a hundred years, the world was completely different and you, pain was a, a requirement of living, you know, and in today's society, you can buy your way out of pain a lot of the time, unless you actively see. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. If you think about it, I, I could have woken up this morning, stayed in my bed the whole day and gotten food, communicated with a ton of people. And sorry, guys, we're, we're having uh, mic issues here, but we're, we're figuring it out. But I could have gotten food, uh, communicated with everybody I wanted to talk to. I, I mean, there's very little I could do. I didn't have to get out of bed today. It, the world has conformed to making things super easy and painless because- It's all on your phone. Well, and that's, that's what businesses do. They, make, they fill your yeah. needs and they make it easier. But I think our point is that you don't really accomplish anything great without without a, a good amount of pain and pain pain's not necessarily like physical pain that you can experience but ne- but more of a mental yeah mental uncomfortable like Which lots of times even frustration greater. frustration Irritabil- yeah. irritability because yes. like i just think about building this and just the frustration that comes with dealing with manufacturers dealing with uh the stress stress is pain dealing with how much stress comes from sending a wire transfer to china not knowing if you're going to get your product, yeah. those types of pains. And you have to be able to, and it's really fear. Fear can be transformed into pain. pain. Yeah. It is a pain. Because you have to go into it to come out the other side and get the benefit of experiencing that. Well, I, I view pains, whether we're talking mental, physical, any of this stuff, it, they're things that you try to avoid. Fear is something we greatly try to avoid in society. We don't go places we're scared of. Yeah. We don't want to put ourselves in situations where we're going to be embarrassed. Exactly. And that's what this all comes down to. And, and this is hard because the things that we're avoiding are most of the time the opportunities that we need to learn to overcome. Yeah. If you have a hard time with people because they frustrate you or annoy you and you want to try to make it on your own, you're done. Yeah, you, you can't make it without by yourself. Exactly. And I, I think a good example, like a people example is a great, that's a great example. Um, I think another example is people having the fear to like analysis paralysis. I would say that's yes. a fear of pain because you're afraid of a s- instance that hasn't happened yet. And you're envisioning the worst case scenario, or you're envisioning your, your brain probably hasn't thought it all the way through, but your brain's foreshadowing the worst case scenario. And I think a, the way that you, I just think about buying your first property. Yeah, there's a lot of risk. You're putting up a lot of money. You have to deal with people. You might have to deal with repairs. There's stuff that, there's the unknowns. And I think that the preparation helps ease pain because if you're prepared, you understand you're fully, like if you go in knowing 99% of what could go wrong, then you shouldn't have pain. You should be well-informed and you can go into the situation with your eyes up and your worst case scenario is something you're expecting. It's, yeah. it's not the unknown. And this is and that idea right there is the idea of how you handle it. It's not that you avoid it and just leave. Oh, I'm not going to invest. Yeah. No, it's uh, you lean into it. Yeah. You identify it. And that's, I think study the, it. the problem is, is that it's so uncomfortable to feel those things. It's so uncomfortable to be embarrassed, to feel the lost and fear that keeps you up at night when you can't sleep, um, that you just want away from it instead of turning and facing it, identifying it, analyzing it. Cause now you just got to get in it. You got to get right in the middle of it. Yeah. You got to start looking at this. What is the downside? Because yeah. there is. So what happens? Um, I remember having these mental exercises where I'm like, before, you know, I start something, I always have to look at the downsides. I got to think, okay, what am I going to do with my family when we lose our house? What am I going to tell my kids when I can't provide basic necessities, right? These are all things that are terrifying to people. Yeah. They have to avoid at all costs, but it doesn't solve anything. Avoiding it never makes your life better. Avoiding it actually is just a slow pain. It is. You, you're delaying the inevitable because even if you, if you think about your goals and then you think about where you're currently at you're not at your goal yet and if you don't go through the pain you're not going to get the goal so by avoiding it you're just slowly going to experience pain and it's probably worse because time is the constraint and if you spend all your time not going through the pain then you just end up without time and without your goal you've identified what i call the cost of comfort (laughs) 
Yeah. And so like I tell everybody, there is a cost for you being comfortable. Right. And the vast majority of time, the cost of being comfortable is your dreams, right? Like I know the cost that I take on of being comfortable is this tire around my waist, right? I'm like, ah, I got to lose five pounds, but that means I got to do some stuff that is really uncomfortable. Yeah. I got to get to the gym. I got to wake up an hour early. I got to do, you know, all these things. And two, I got to stop eating yeah. and maybe drinking. I just put a soda fountain in you Your know, office. my office, right? So maybe I Good have idea. to stop using the soda fountain that I Good drink. Good luck with that. Right? <laughs> this is all cost of, uh, of you know, this is yeah. comfort. And uh, we all see this in our life, yeah. right? And two, these are things that maybe you don't want to even recognize. I, I look in my in my life, there is a cost associated with having children. Yeah. And there is an absolute uncomfortableness that I have to dive in and I have to wear, uh, be aware of. Now, I think one of the problems with these outside things that create these pains in our lives or these stresses and things, most of the time, they don't even exist. And what I mean by them is they're self-imposed, right? When my children are causing me pain because I'm frustrated or whatever it may be that all parents feel, well, that's just me. It's just in my head, right? Yeah. Like if I just turn around and just say, actually, no, this is an amazing time that I either get to teach my child a lesson, spend time with them, whatever the, the thing may be that I can go through with my child and just look at it a different light, that, yeah. that becomes immediately a blessing. It becomes immediately a pro. Right. And so it, it's not just how we handle and face these pains. It's really how we internalize them. And leaning into them in the correct manner turns downside into upside. Mm -hmm. it, cre it, it makes pain become an asset. And it's not that you look forward to pain. Like I don't look forward to pain, but I look forward to identifying pain points. Because if I identify and I can solve, the, and solving too, I, I, I think this is important, doesn't mean they go away. Like we talk about risk. When I go into something, me identifying it means that I understand better how to face it, how to control what may be a downside, how to limit it, but it never takes away the risk altogether. And I can never, you know, take the risk of life away. You just can't do that. So how much is that going to limit you? The more you understand, the more you're able to expand your horizon, take on more opportunities. And I find that even with my children, and you look at them and how I was when I was little, I think one for probably the most people, the most common is the social almost anxiety that we feel today. We can, and the reason we have so much risk adversement, so much social anxiety is because never before in history, as we mentioned before, have we been able to escape it so easy. And escapism is massive. Mm -hmm. Entertainment allows us to go into worlds that are controllable. It's known and it gets us out of ours. Well, and not only that, it, it you get a dopamine release from from social media and from being yes. on your phone and from from not having the fear of missing out. I think yes. one thing that has helped me a ton is I don't get the fear of missing out. I, I used to get it a lot, yeah. when, especially when I started this. But what – and I think everybody when they start doing something out of the normal path, they have the fear of missing out because you see all your friends. You see everyone doing the right thing, the yep. right thing with quotations. Yep. And um, I used to get that a lot. Like I, I couldn't think about it more because I, I – when I was conditioned yeah. to be with the crowd. Yeah. And I think the only way I got through that was just literally blocking it out, getting results, and now seeing that my results are better than what I was missing yeah. out on. And I'll just keep going down this path because I don't when I see some when I see a group of people that I, I used to hang out with or whatever doing one thing and that is pain. That is pain. I don't feel that anymore because I've just rewired that connection to, to focus on what I like or, or on what I'm building and the outcomes of both actions, mine's better. You know what I'm saying? No, absolutely. I, I mean, that's the same, you know, my early twenties, it was 24 seven work, yeah. MBA and a child and all my friends, they were out. Yeah. Partying, partying. hanging out. They and, were having a blast. And it's going to get worse and too, for they, kids though. And too though, they also, they looked at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. They're like, I was a boring insurance guy. Yeah. Right. Like that was AJ. What is but you're laying do? the foundation. He's boring. Exactly. And I was doing things that weren't fun while yeah. other people were like, well, what are you doing? They're, they're, they're 
I don't even want to say chasing dreams because they weren't. They were avoiding difficult things that pay off in the long run to get easy things that pay off in the short term, whether that's social, whether that's monetary, whether that's all those things, which makes them feel good, right? Um, But it comes at a sacrifice, that long-term sacrifice where I was doing the opposite. I was doing things that were not fun. Yeah. There's a book. I'm pulling it up one second. They're literally what you're describing. And um, let me pull this up here. What you're describing and pain does relate to delayed delayed gratification. Um, It's called the triple package. It's why, sorry, one second. This is important. Why groups, opening this. We'll put this in the show notes too. So you guys can um, uh, jump on there and download it. It's how three unlikely traits explain the rise and fall of cultural groups in America. And what they found is that there's three traits. I know delayed gratification is one, discipline's the other, and a sense of superiority is the third. Those three things, and, and you think about this, those three things are what you get these outliers of people. Um, and it's interesting how you see this, they, they relate it to cultural groups, Asians, Mormons, Jewish, they have character traits that are in their religion or in their culture that lay down, hey, delay gratification. We're, we're going to this. And so the youth get this experience where they're associated with pain. Because if you're thinking about a 10-year-old kid and you're delaying gratification, you're explaining why, but everyone else is doing it. It's your norm. Yeah. And you, and not only those, all, all three of those uh, groups, they also have an extreme amount of discipline. And then in those, in those same groups, they have a, when I say superiority, what they, they have a, they have a destiny. They, they believe that they're meant for something. And in this book, they break down how those three character traits merge together. They yield a extremely high level of successful people because those are the traits that you need to be successful in business. You need to be extremely disciplined, but you also need to be able to go through pain and experience the foundational eating dirt and going through the grit of building. And you do that because you're thinking of your superiority, like you're thinking of I'm meant for something bigger. Yeah. So there's, there's those three reasons that merge together. It's interesting. And I absolutely love that. I I think that I grew up in, in Boise, Idaho, but my parents come from a small farming community and we just, it was just understood that like, well, I don't want to do this. Well, nobody cares. Yeah. Like that's just not even a part of the equation. It's not a part of the conversation. Yeah, right? You just got to go do it. You just do it. And uh, that this idea that there's this goal, we don't care what it takes to get You just got to go do it. You just got to go do it. Like, what is it that, because you're, that's how your family is, but yeah. why do other, why are other families not? Because there's, there's other, other families like that, yeah. you know, why? I attribute obviously this to my parents um, because I was raised like that. I mean, we had, we went without blinds in my house for years because my parents, instead of putting blinds in the home, they paid off the mortgage. Yeah. So every penny went to the mortgage. Um, this was in a time where interest rates were really high, like 16%. And they knew that that was a slow death. And that, so they were trying to put themselves and this was everything, you know, we got up before we could do anything Saturday. We had to work till noon from seven to noon. I, I think it comes from our our culture, where we lived. And two, it's, you know, in order to do things when in Idaho, particularly back then, everything we did, like I, I'm a huge fan of backpacking. Backpacking sucks. It's not fun. Yeah, you're, it's not you're fun to put 60 pain. pounds and go hike over, you know, mountain stuff. Now, the, the thing though is the end goal is incredible. When you're up on an 11,000 foot ridge in the Northern Rockies looking over and you know, there's not a soul for hundreds of miles and you can, you know, it's you and the wolves. I mean, there's something about that that is just awesome. And it was always like, you want that, you want to get that. And pain is part of this process and it's almost reveled in. Like we, we would literally, you know, in our family, you want to up each other by how hard you work. Yeah. Like, oh, I've been up every morning. I've been up every morning at five and I didn't leave until nine. It was that's that's, you know, that's status. It's who can take on the most and it becomes bragging rights. Right. I, like my cousins would always pick on me like, oh, you're a city slicker. Right. So then I would get out and I'd have to you know work twice as hard when I'd work on the farms or mm-hmm. whatnot, because that was it was an insult to be thought of as someone that couldn't take it, that couldn't cut it. 
So how would, uh, if people are listening to this, how would they start to find pain to put themselves through? Like, what do you think would be good things that they could do? You know, this is funny because it's actually really easy. I mean, yeah. think about just say, okay, why don't you just put your phone down? Yeah. Like, can you turn off social media? Vast majority of people can't do that. Right. Um, you can't disconnect. I, I, or you work know, out. Or work well, I think out. Out I was about to one. say, I think a huge one is, you know, being physically fit. I did sports, things like that. And obviously you're huge in the workout scene to say that I'm going to give up comfort today and I'm going to put myself through something that is hard, difficult, because I know that in two years, it will reshape the way that I look, feel and who I am. That's really important. I a hundred percent agree. I think that one of the characteristics that I've noticed with myself and even my dad pointed it out is that when I was younger, I was, I was super small. I was 120 pounds in high school and I related pain uh, to success. Like, so when I was a freshman, I would look at the seniors and say, oh, these guys are 200 plus pounds. They're huge. They're working out all the time. And I would correlate my end goal. And I put 80 pounds on in high school or 90 pounds on in high school. I was like 200. I was bigger than I am now in high school. Just from training every single day, my dad would wake me up at like 6 a.m. He'd feed me serious mass, some mass gainer shake, drive me to the gym in the morning, drive me to the gym at night because I didn't have a license. And I put so much weight on, like people were thinking I was on steroids. And I've never done steroids because that's counterintuitive to why I train. It's not not necessarily short term. There, There are pro athletes and pro bodybuilders that do it they're doing it right. The reason I didn't and I haven't is because I'm not after a result, uh, like a physical result. Like you're doing steroids to either improve performance to like make money, which I'm yeah. all for. Like if you're yeah. going to make $100 million playing baseball, I think you should do steroids. Yeah. It's an unpopular opinion, but it makes the game better as long as it's a flare playing field. And I, that's just my opinion on it. But my point is if you're not – if you're doing it for vanity – you shouldn't do steroids because you're circumventing the benefit that it'll do to your mind because you're you're going after a result that looks physically, but you didn't build your mindset. So you'll never retain it. Yeah. Like I look at all the guys who took steroids in high school that I thought about doing it with them. I'm, I'm past all of them now because they not only regressed, they got side effects and they didn't build their mindset. So they can't apply their mindset to business, yeah. to anything. Like I look at yeah. I've just been able to take what th- that thing is in weightlifting and I applied it to this business and I'm applying it to more businesses. And then I look at, oh, how do I do it in other aspects of my life? Like how, how can I learn faster and get smarter? Can I learn another language? And um, that's why you shouldn't take the shortcuts. And I think weightlifting is a perfect example because everybody can do it no matter what your body shape is or what disabilities you have. You can get in the gym. I see this guy at Axiom. He's Fully, I think he's fully paralyzed. I think he has some sort of a, um, he is, I don't know if it's his nerves or if it's like Parkinson's, but he's in there and he's got this uh, trainer and I think it's his wife and they help him move his body to train. And I see this dude every day. And I, whenever I'm looking at him, I'm like this guy, can he, he's, I don't know if it's probably more to make sure his body can uh, not stagnate out. But when I look at that and then I hear people blame their kids that they can't work out, they're like, oh. I have kids. I can't work out. Yeah. It's like, that's such a horrible cop out to your kids. You should work out because of your kids. And they, they, you could, the list goes on, yeah. but you're not, you're avoiding pain. That's yeah. what you're doing yes. when you say all those excuses. Yeah. And the, I think the weightlifting, like I said, is the best, the best one you could start with. Yeah. It, it's once again, it's this idea because it's not fun. It hurts, but it's good for you. Yeah. Right. And that's how, yeah, I mean, studying is another thing that it's like, I was going to say studying is a huge one. It's, it's not fun. Nobody wants to sit down and go through it, but it, it's long-term effects. Cause you don't get anything short term. Yeah. Right. From it. It's not like that immediately changes your world. I mean, I went back and got my MBA and that had zero effect on my income and never would. And yeah. I knew that I knew it wouldn't. It's not like I was like, Oh, I'm going to get this and I'm going to get a pay raise. I, I, I did sales yeah. and I never had any idea that I'd do anything but sales. The only way that I made more money was if I sold more immediately by going to school, that limited amount of time. So instead, I so not that I accepted that. I would I'd um, wake up in the morning, I'd study from six, you know, go to work, come home, be with my wife, kids, put them to bed. Then I'd study after that because I I wanted I knew that where I wanted to go in life and what I wanted takes to pain. it take it would take so much more than I could offer. Right, and that's another thing that I think is really important about this uncomfortableness. When you lean into pain, you identify weaknesses, and and being sales in sales, it was really easy to identify these 
because people would tell you. Yeah. Right. They'd be like, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. And I could either be like, oh, no, I do, you know, or whatnot. Or I could be like, eh, you know what? You're kind of right. I really don't. I'm not there yet. Yeah. And that happens a lot. I got very comfortable feeling like an idiot. And so I was able to identify and I could either say, I'm going to stay in this state. But you had to things, go through that. I had to, to move through it. Because you would never be where you're at. Never. That's the point. Like exactly. that is a type of pain. What is that? That discomfort? Like that, yeah, uh, that mass embarrassment. embarrassment is what it is. And so most people in sales, they just leave sales. Yeah. That's how you get yeah. out of it. They're like, dude, this is not. Uh, I'm not me. a sales guy. I'm not a sales Everyone's guy. a sales guy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you're in any kind of business at all. If you're in a relationships, you're selling yourself. You're selling yourself. If you're on you're, social media, you're If you have friends. Yep. You sell you, yourself. Exactly. Every, everything. Everybody's a sales guy. And it, so, and really too, it, it, I, it makes this sound like it's bad or something. I wasn't doing door-to-door sales. I was consulting with companies and I was helping them manage their largest expense in the corporation. We're talking about Employment. hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars that, that we managed. It wasn't like I'm, you know, doing like alarm sales, something like that. Not that there's even anything wrong with that. But what had to happen is I had to figure out how to communicate and how to portray my ideas and the knowledge that maybe I know I had to others. Yeah. If you have knowledge, but you can't pass that knowledge on, it's almost useless. Yeah. What are you supposed to do with it? If you can't bring that to an employer, if you can't bring that to a market, if you can't bring it to a client, then what good does it do for anybody? Right. So I had to learn how to work within groups, convince people, right? And then I had to actually get better because at the end of the day, even if I made the sell, if not, if I didn't know my stuff, I was going to become, because it was long-term, it wasn't right. short-term. I needed to be, these people need to be my clients for years. It would come out and I'd be a fraud and they'd fire me. Yeah. So there wasn't a way to mask this. That sucked, right? That was not fun at all. And two, it also meant that my income was way lower than most people's when I started for years. I mean, I was making $800 a month for a long time. Yeah, it's a hockey stick growth because yeah. that that long part of the hockey stick is you you growing, you learning. Exactly. And you don't and accepting the pain because yeah, your first default reaction is totally to you second guess it. You if you're susceptible to other people's opinions, you'll just kind of just veer off and do something else. Absolutely. And you'll make an excuse for why you're veering off, but you're avoiding the fundamental just avoidance of pain, whether it, yeah, it's embarrassment, it's frustration, it's physical pain, whatever it is, you're just, you're just creating a, a reason for well, it. Too, if you don't practice these things, and this is one of the reasons why I think this is important, because if you don't practice these things, avoidance is such a silly thing to me, because you're not always going to avoid it. Eventually, right? You're going to get knocked down. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you're going to have to confront an embarrassing moment, a tragedy, whatever it may be. And if you aren't ready for that, it will consume you. Right. And so for me, I knew failure was imminent, right? I was going to fail. So I might as well figure this just out. Just run into it. Like, let's just tackle this right now. Right. And after I had gotten finally good, I really apparently was filling my britches because I uh, thought I was pretty hot stuff. I went and bought a brokerage firm. and me and all my infinite, infinite knowledge was basically conned, which isn't a cop-out because I was stupid enough to allow it to happen. It was my fault. It was my fault because I, I, I was smart enough, right? But my pride and ego and everything got in the way of that. And the pain of backing out of that deal when I knew I shouldn't have done it, that overcame, my pride overcame that. and was like, you can't do it. And it doesn't matter anyways, because you can pull it off. That obviously went south. It crashed, tanked everything. We lost millions and it it could have right there then just destroyed me my career um everything and uh, so we i had these two options right i'm now absolutely devastated i have four kids it's one of those moments where you're literally looking at your house and you're thinking well do we need to move do i need to start selling things off do i need to reshape it, it was that bad and i wish that pain was quick because it's not like, oh, I had this and then I overcame it. No, this went on. It's just like, you know, you're just getting drug for months on end. <laughs> and so it, it, the hardest part about that kind of pain, it's not the immediate pain. It's the relentness of it. It's, it's just, like living in it's it. It's just living in it. Never. And it doesn't. And when you're in it, it feels like there's never an end. So finally, it gets to the point where you just have to say, okay, here's what's going to happen. If so, 
I'm going to declare bankruptcy, sell off all my crap, try to get my obligations, move on, find a place to rent and take my three kids and my wife. And it is what it is. I failed. Or I can try to figure out a way to minimize this and then look at this and, and figure out what we did wrong. And it was from this, it was from this that I identified some major flaws in what I thought was an amazing system that I thought was so great. And it was out of that that we were able to create our company now that has over 100 million in assets. And without that, though, it would have never happened. If I would have said, this wasn't my fault and put it on the person that was very instrumental in this whole event happening that had basically fraud us, if I said, no, that was because of him. It had nothing to do with me. I would have never learned those lessons and we could have never turned it around. And I think that because I was in a sales position, which requires you to be inherently optimistic, yeah, right? That I was able to, you know, it wasn't pretty, but we got through it and I was able to take it around. And I, this knowledge of knowing that you can fail, this knowledge of when you fail, what's going to happen, this is what prepares you. This is how you overcome obstacles. And I I don't like to use the analogy of thick skin because it's just so overdone, but it kind of is, right? You you have to develop a thick skin to pain in knowing that it's not avoidance and it's not going after it. It's living with it. That this thing is just as important. This losses, the failures, the stupidity is just as important is the wins and the success. Actually, it's way more important than the successes and the win because they teach you very little. And you see this constantly in successful people. That's why I think you see lots of athletes that can turn around and they can take what they've applied, learn it, or they go the exact opposite way and they completely destroy it. It seems like there's never an in-between, right? Athletes are either bankrupt or they're just, they own like a hundred million dollar plus companies. They're just huge. They're like juggernauts. That was always curious to me. Like, what was it that separated these two? And what was it is, I think it is with all of us, that this delay of gratification, this starts in those athletes' lives way before. Yeah. Right? And a work ethic that's probably really, uh, I think when you have a work ethic, work, like you said earlier, pain is just a part of your work. Yeah. Like you, and I think when you have a good work, I think you're just accepting, you're more accepting of just the hard things. And it's like that play, uh, talent doesn't work hard when hard work doesn't, or hard work beats talent when talent doesn't yeah. work hard. You see a lot of those super talented guys just kind of shooting star it up and then they just disappear because like that Johnny, Johnny Menzel is a good example. He partied his way up, yeah, got a contract, blew it. And now he's still trying to get back to the NFL. I think he's in the CFL. And it's because like super hard work or like he obviously there was hard work there and talent, but you're not NFL hardworking, like, like hard, like Tom Brady hardworking. Yeah. Like that dude's been in the NFL my entire life. Yeah. He's been playing (laughs) pro football and I was looking at it. He's played against fathers and sons. There's some, yeah, that's how long he's been playing. And you think about his ability to delay gratification, to work hard, and experience a ton of pain. Like that's not easy to watch hours and hours of film. And obviously there's passion that plays into that too. He's probably super passionate. It doesn't, doesn't feel like work to him, but um, well, if you front load, cause you, yeah, I think front simple, you front load pain. Yeah. So if you don't want to front load the time, the effort, the pain, everything like that, then mm-hmm. you are going to get paid the minimal amount, right? Yeah, you're not going to make it. salary or anything else, because that's all business investing. That's all health that's all progress is. Yeah, you're front loading work. You front load, and then if there's benefits, you get it on the background, right? And you that's just not saying that always is. Exactly. And love that, the pain, yeah. And that's this part of practicing and developing it in your life. This idea, like people always say, oh, people, why is it, you know, people that get up really early are successful. I don't think it has anything to do with the Time. hours that you get or gain anything like that. It's just the fact that these people are saying, no, I'm going to get up early. Experience a little bit of pain. Exactly. And start my day off right. And it puts them Take in that control. mentality. Yep. No, I'm okay. I can do this. My days are always better when I, like 6 a.m., 5 a.m., whatever it is, yeah. wake up and I do the hard things first. I oh, study it, study some something, uh, work out, get, get my day organized, and then I start because then my day's not controlling me. It's easy to kind of let the day just take you. And you try to float by without experiencing anything hard. Like that's a very default yes. human reaction. 
and like a baseline, like we talked about last podcast. Yeah, most people just floating through. Yeah, you try to avoid pains. Whereas if you take control of the day immediately and you just accept, okay, hard, hard, hard thing, hard thing, hard thing. When the other hard things come up that you don't want to do, you kind of just go into them anyway. Yeah. Because that's just how you started the day. Yeah. You know, this is interesting how much it relates, not just to investing things in life in general, but when you're doing a development of a property, all the risk is taken on from the very beginning. None of the reward is. Yeah. And this is one of the things that I think is a hard hard thing, especially for young people to understand. There's such an immediacy that is comes along with pain. Like, okay, I could do pain, but then I want the benefit. Yeah. Well, you're you're talking about, you know, if you're developing a property, you're putting forth just crazy amounts of time, hours, work, capital, you may not get the reward for that for years. And it still might not work out. And it I think still about may the not company we just bought. Yeah. Like this is a, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I look at the mountain that I have to climb here and it's a lot, a lot of work. But my thought on both, like my point and your point is the time is going to pass anyway. Yeah, it is. Like what else are you going to do? Well, and you two, can't avoid it. Whether you get the end result, you're still better off. 100%. So th- otherwise you're not going to do anything anyway. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing that I uh, I try you try to tell people is like, yeah, you need to be able to go through pain, but you also too you need to be able to do it without a guaranteed success. A yeah. lot of people are like, "Oh, I'm okay doing it as long as I know that there's a reward." It's like, "Well, that's that's not really pain then. I think I, I, like that's I just that that's a cop out. That was the scariest part when I started this is watching everyone go to college and get their jobs. And I'm taking five steps back and trying to and trying to start this thing. I was I was not sure. And I had no context for a end result. Like I there there was no guarantee. What I was building is something very, very weird and no, everyone thought it was just unreal. Like it's this is a stupid idea, and you think back, and now looking five years forward, it played out, but you don't know that going in, no. and you don't get well, to know and, that. And yeah, of course you know because when you started out, it was a stupid idea. Yeah, so, it was. Yeah, that's no, how it not, works. Yeah. Yeah. It is. A- AJ, it did, is. AJ did tell me it was a stupid idea. <laughs> I did, <laughs> and it was. Yeah. And, but and I think that's what people don't understand too. Now, and now, I hate now. When, see who's laughing though. Huh, AJ? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get on. You're this sitting too. in my warehouse. <laughs> uh huh. And this is too. Why? And and get it. And you're you're lucky that somebody told you. It was no, stupid. yeah, that's a good point. And when that's the, when people try to avoid it, I hate it when people are like, you know, say. Oh, screw the haters. No, ask them. Yeah, that's a good point. See you if they're, you see if they're go to point. your haters. Your haters are your best friends. Like those people that say, oh, you haters, don't listen to the haters. I'm like, well, who are you listening to? Your, your mom patting you on the head saying, no, you're a big guy. You're going to make it. No. When that's a client a fired me, I have to go back to the client and say, why'd you fire me? Yeah. I don't go to the client and say, you're a hater. No, the cli- it's the client's money. Yeah. He's not a hater. He's the one that's paying me, right? You need to lean into that pain. And that's that's why you were successful you be because coachable. of that, yeah. right? You said I gave you literally came and you had a terrible idea and said it's stupid. And you said, "Okay. How do you make it better?" Yeah. That is the difference between avoiding pain and saying, "No, you're right. Pack it up and walk away." Right? Yeah. Or sticking through it and creating a path. Because it's not, no path is ever given to us. There's obstacles. There's all this crap in the way that we have to get through and none of it's fun. None of it feels good. It takes our time, energy, takes the money, makes us look stupid on and on and on all of these things. And there's no guaranteed of the end reward. So you need to, when you go into it, when I'm starting a business, I actually pay people, right? We pay people to say, tell us why this won't work. Yeah. Consulting. At this point, especially I could come up with any idea, and I doubt there would be anybody that would actually tell me and say, you'll never be successful at that, right? Because we've been successful at other things, so nobody's going to say that. So that's I don't want to hear anybody's opinion unless they are literally, we'll take it to our attorneys, we'll take it to accountants and everything, and they are being paid to show us all the ways that it'll fail. And when I said, no, you're a hater, I'm going to do it anyways, the company yeah, it's just a bad idea because I told my attorneys, <laughs> you know, I'm going to make this work, right? No, I should have listened to them and I should have walked away from it. Um, and two, once again, that's a perfect example of I was listening to everybody else, right? Now, all the employees, oh, you can do this. No, you're going to just kill it. It's going to be amazing, right? And then you have the attorneys and everybody going, dude, what are you doing? 
this is a horrible idea. You can never pull this off, right? And um, no, listen to him. I, I it was pain avoidance. Yeah, I didn't want the strike to my ego. Like you need to be able to take in. And two, we need to define this. I want to make sure this is very clear for everybody. There's pain that is good, and there's pain that is useless. I'm not saying that just any pain is good, but without trying and going through the hard stuff, you can't quantify, qualify, or any other means of having, you know, a barometer to say whether I should be taking this in or I should not. Right. Right. And I think that's, and we find that a lot in youth, right? You need to be able to look and say, this is good for me, right? The guy in the gym that's throwing weights around everything, he may be working just as hard as the guy that has good forms, but he's going to rip his shoulders out. Right. That's not a good pain. Yeah. Yeah, um, and that's really important. Yeah. We could probably come out with more podcasts on ego because the more I think about yeah. pain, the more I think that there's a lot of other per, other traits that influence pain yeah. that we that would we could run this podcast for hours. Because, oh, yeah. yeah, you there are things that create pain that are unnecessary, like your ego, like your ignorance. There's just a lot of those things that I, I, I keep thinking more and more as you keep explaining, like they're the, they're the root, they're the seeds that build the, the, the plant. Yeah. And, and, and two, I think the reason why we could talk about this for hours and everybody listening to the podcast, because this is what gets us excited because we had to go through it and it sucked. Yeah. We had those times that were so devastating that nobody believed every, all those kind of things. Right. Yeah. So when you overcome them, it's amazing. It gets us amped and we now appreciate what we had. And we're in this place to where we realize how important it is. Yeah. And I find this with all successful people, investors, I can be like, Oh, so, you know, tell me about, tell me about your past. Tell me about your company or whatnot. They always tell you about the time they almost lost it. They always tell you about all the hardships right? When you're talking to the guy that was living in his car, he doesn't tell you about when he bought a Ferrari. He tells you about when he was living in his car. Well, yeah. And I think also like, I still don't feel like, I, I still feel like I could lose everything. Well, you could. So yeah. could I. So I, I still Tomorrow. feel like that fear or that pain, just that's the only one you really need to keep looking at yeah. to keep going. Well, it's one of the major reasons why I start other companies. I diversify my income because two, the more that I think the more that you understand how economics work, how the government works with monetary policy, how competition, long-term trends, cycles, and you start to really understand a bigger picture of this, you understand how you could just be obliterated any second. If, if you know, Blockbuster cannot see their own fate. And everybody has the opportunity to buy their fate, has the opportunity to buy and And pass it up. uh, And everybody now laughs at them and says how stupid it is. And you're like, well, you were never blockbuster. So you never got to where they were were to even begin with. That's a good point. And so it's it's easy to now look back on that when the vast majority of us are doing that in some way, shape or form in our own lives today. It's true. Yeah. I think Yahoo did the same thing with Google. I'm yeah, pretty Yahoo sure. did Google. They, they laughed him off for a couple million. Yep. Oh man. What a horrible idea. And yeah, I think, yeah, like you said, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of big company examples or big examples like that, but you, then it makes you wonder, wait, am I doing that to myself in something I can't see right now? Yeah. Well, and, and two, this is important on a more serious note because I think there's a lot of people that are like, you you hear this a lot. You don't understand. You're not me. You don't have the trials that I have and things. And, you know, I, I've, I've obviously failed stuff, but I've also been beyond fortunate. I was raised in a, a wonderful home with parents that taught me, raised me, right? They loved me. They were had the foresight, all these kind of things, right? I lived in Idaho, which if any of you live in any other states, you obviously know I have just a huge advantage being from Boise, Idaho. Uh, so, um, but, uh, you know, I had all these things coming up, but two, you know, I've basically almost lost it all twice in my life. Once was, you know, economically speaking, but then two, once when I was in the hospital and became completely paralyzed. And lots of times these things don't go away, right? I am on lots of medications. I have to deal with pain. I'm still partially paralyzed. And I don't get the excuse when my kid comes in at 6 a.m. and says, dad, let's go to the gym of saying, son, I'm in so much pain right now. You know, I can't 
do that. And my employees, I don't get the advantage of telling them, hey, guys, I have mass fatigue because I was on life support for four months. And that's you know something that happens when you're in the ICU to say, I'm sorry, guys. I, I, I can't I, handle this right now. I need to take a nap. I can't handle this right now. Yeah. It's this weird world where it's like those things don't matter and I need to figure out how to get through it. And just I see other people in those situations and how they're still in a really bad spot. They carry crutches. Yes, literally. And or in wheelchairs. And I was introduced into that community right when I came out. Um, and there was a lot of talk of, you know, your life's now over as it was before. So yeah. just forget it. Yeah. You're you don't don't ever expect to go back to that. Oh, I was just on a forum today and it was making me think about it and how they're like, don't none of you expect to get to a hundred percent because you will never be a hundred percent again. What a limit, yeah. And scientific, like how do you know? You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That you can't form your thoughts around that. Yeah. And and even when I was in rehab, I was told they're like, AJ, you're never gonna be out of leg braces. Like it's not going to happen. It's been. Didn't they tell you you're not going to walk either? Yeah. For a long time, they didn't think I would ever walk again because I had been in the hospital for so long. Once after you've been paralyzed for two months, not, not just paralyzed after you have been on life support, I, I couldn't speak for over 10 weeks. So after you've been bedridden, after I lost 70 pounds and all my muscles, your body doesn't work normal anymore. And so they were like, your odds of leaving a bed after you've been in it for two months, start dropping like astronomically every single day. Yeah. And uh, if you look at these diseases and how like, particularly mine went, went after two months, the rate of someone coming back to being able to walk alone, just walk without aid. I mean, you're down to like 10% or something like that because the bodies, you know, don't recover. And that was hard being in that community where it was accepted. And I, I remember being faced once when somebody asked me, you know, I think we talked about this, you know, last podcast went on, you know, how has it been hard now that you're disabled? And I was just like, oh, oh, geez, that's not, no, no, I, I'm not disabled. Um, and I was like, and it was, which is silly for me to think because I was in a wheelchair, but we get put in these situations where we can all accept it. We can accept any excuse we have. We can accept whatever is presented. We can accept the fact that I wasn't born into the right family. I can accept the fact that I'm not the right person. I didn't live in the right area. Or we can just deal with the pain and move on. And just get better. And just get better. Yeah. And force your outcome. Force what you want it to be. Just make it happen and stop thinking about the limitations or just accepting it. And that's fine. Yeah. I think accepting it because... There are, there are, I bet you there's somebody listening and being like, oh, that's easy for you to say. Still, still saying it, still saying, oh, but my situation is different. And yeah, it is, Mm -hmm. but you can still deal with it and get better. A hundred percent. Like the, the only, it's it's so corny, but like, that's like your attitude is, is how you, how you live, like having a better attitude about it will make it better. That's the, that's, I think we learned that in kindergarten. Dude, last night, so last night, you know. We were, so now I was kind of being a little snot to my kids stuff. And I was, I was kind of being edgy and I'm like, guys, knock it off because my lower legs feel like they'd been blown off my body. And I stepped on a Lego and I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, dude. Right. No more Legos. Like a Lego. Every, we all know how that feels when you step on it. Yeah. Now picture your whole entire legs feeling like they are on fire and your bones are broken. And a leg is like a an atomic bomb. And I, I fell down cause I couldn't take the pain. So I fall down and I'm just like, I am going to burn all this stuff up. And I was so mad. And I turn around and my little boy who had the Legos was standing there looking at me. And I'm just like, just don't say anything. I walk out. And I'm just like, it's not his problem. It's mine. Yeah. Right? And I can't do that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't right. matter the pain that I'm feeling. I got to deal with it. And I've got to overcome it. Right. And we can all And have- sell your kid. It's you sell, sell the kid. Hey, he's, gotta, gone. he's done. He's gone. He's out. There's not a Lego in my home. No, uh, keep the Legos. There's no more kids. Exactly. <laughs> just joking. No, and it's, you know, I, too, my family would accept it. Yeah. They would literally be like, you know, oh, dad needs to sleep. Let dad sleep. Let dad go away. Um, so we can either enable it or we can't. And we, and you're right. Somebody's out there like, you don't understand my situation. Doesn't matter. We all have horrible situations. Pain will never go away. 
And we're always going to have it emotional, physical, mental. There are obviously all kinds of mental conditions that present barriers, but look at those things and create opportunity out of them. I have had so much opportunity after I got out of the hospital. It's funny because I was joking around with my wife. I'm like, geez, this has almost been a blessing. Like the fact that we went through all this, I lost my job because I could no longer work. And so from there, I started up three different companies. I had to be home all the time. So I spent more time with my kids than I ever had in my life because I couldn't walk away to get away from them. So it was like, you know, I, it was great. And so I've bonded with my children. Like I'm so close to them and I'm so grateful for all those things. And even though it was hell, I'm so grateful and I'm better off for them. And that's how you just have to take it, yeah. right? And when you're starting, whether it's business investments, all the things, look, I think, face the pain, face your fears. Don't, you know, don't try to go get hit by a car or something like stupid, but <laughs> Put yourself analyze, don't push yourself through it, but analyze it, figure out a way through it and, and lean into it. Don't walk away from it. It's probably the, you know, people have been, you've met all these successful people. I work businesses all over the one that's probably the only trait ever, uh, successful people share. Yeah. Successful people are made successful in all sorts of weird ways. Like that. I would never imagine. Like you could never be successful. Somebody's going to be successful in everything. It's probably the only trait that all those people share is that one. They can get through it. Mm-hmm. So it's a wonderful topic. We're obviously totally nerds about it. And I think it's great because I need it every day. You need it every day. It's inspiring even for us that are in it. And we have to remind, I think successful people, people that are starting business, people are in the, that are in the middle and me and Rock, our companies could all blow up tomorrow. We're going to cry for a month and then move on. And you just have to be ready for that. Yeah. All right. I think we've just beat that dog to death. We did. But it's fun. Go put yourself through some pain. That's right. All right. Thanks, everybody. We hope this was a good one. It's a little different. Mostly it's about operations and execution. This was more on the mental side, but we hope you guys like this one. And leave us a good review, please. We we would really, it's really painful to go down and click that five star, but that's the first way you can overcome pain right now. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at cashflow with the number two freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.